Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. And Lou, we have on once a month Norbert Orr, who is from Strategus Research Partners, and he talks about the purchasing managers indexes around the globe. And we're going to find out today from Norbert where that flock of geese is headed. So this should be interesting. You want to put bets on which way the flock is flying? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Norbert, let us know where the uh, flock of geese are headed. Are they? Uh, they're supposed to be coming north this time of the year. What's really happening? Yeah, uh, a lot going on, and a lot uh, you know that we can talk about. I, I'm reminded back uh, late last month, I got a, an email from a former associate, just checking in, and uh, uh, I wrote back a note to him, uh, and I said. Chris, it looks like to me that we need a black swan event to our black swan event <laughs> because the odds were, were not in our favor at that point. I'm not sure they are still, but they uh, certainly get, seem to be getting better as we go. And there's uh, uh, a whole lot uh, to, yet to be done, you know, in doing that. Uh I, I want to you, share you said, with you. You said getting. You said getting better. I want to hear getting better. Enlighten us. Uh, well, uh, I guess from the standpoint that some places that were doing okay are still holding up, uh, particularly the ISM non-manufacturing survey. And I know you've had Tony on to talk about that. That. Uh, is you know I always look in a recovery I look for what are the drivers going to be for instance in the last recovery in 2008 2009 the, the major driver was the automobile industry <laughs> and it worked because nobody could get credit for houses or any anything else businesses whatever but they could they did have car credit now, admittedly, it involved the uh, car companies extending their payment schedule out to 84 months so that people could uh, get payments down to a level. You know, with, with cars, it doesn't matter what the car costs. It matters how much the payment is. Right. right. And so it really took off. And, and, and the beauty of that was the uh, – Auto industry really impacts about 10 other industries dramatically. Everything from primary metals and fabricated metals, uh, plastics and rubber, uh, computers, all of those uh, are significantly influenced by the auto industry. So we had a leader, and then once autos let up a little bit, housing started to come back. Well, you'll recall housing went from 300,000 units up to 900,000 units. The only problem was we were typically up around uh, 1,400,000. So housing looked good on paper, but it still had a long way to go. So that's what I'm looking for is, you know, what are are the things going to drive? The, The only thing I can identify at this point 
uh, is, uh, I, I think, uh, housing is still holding up somewhat. Uh, Health care in many different forms has got to be the leading in the, uh, driver uh, that really pushes, helps push the economy f- for that. Uh, obviously, the oil industry is not there to do anything significant. Uh, so it's a, a lot focused on just a couple of uh, industry segments that, uh, that that can be uh, contributors to all of this. Finally, uh, we, we got the, the non-manufacturing sector to kick in back in in 14, and it started to look better. But that's the type of movement I'm looking for is what, what's going to drive that. Theoretically... All of these government handouts that are going out the door should be, that's the whole purpose, is to take the place of those other industries that they can't drive it. So it's put more in the hands of the consumer, and that's where, you know, that's really the third leg of the stool going forward right now. Uh, As you know, there are problems with that. The uh, PPT uh, is already sold out, uh, and they went through $230 million in about two days. So, right. uh, And that only, I, I, I heard the numbers. It was a very small number of companies. I think it was about a million six that actually got any money. And uh, the individual dollar amount per employee, in some cases, is like $100. So I'm not sure what the value of this uh, PPP is because uh, it doesn't. Uh, uh, they're they're going to argue their way through phase two of that between the Dems and the Republicans. So I don't I don't see a whole big benefit to this uh, stimulus package, which is um, it's questionable as to what it's going to stimulate. Well, well, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, my experience with uh, those types of programs and so on is uh, it almost always applies to everybody but me. Right. And I'm sure that's the way you feel, probably, Lou. Well, I'll be. All Metals and Forge Group had put in an application, by the way. Um, and uh, we got it in within the first 24 hours, and then we were blocked out. 24 hours. Right. So yeah, so you had no chance. Well, they know uh, the given the amount of money that they're trying to put into the system, they know that they can't make up. For every airplane that's empty and every uh, truck that's uh, uh, not able to to, to uh, uh, pick up loads and, and travel across state lines and those types of things, uh, sure. so you know there's it just it really points out how dynamic our economy is and that it fires on a lot of cylinders. And trying to reach out to them and, and do something meaningful, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's the answer. We're going to learn some. You know, we, we look back and we blame uh, previous recessions on tight money, 
this time we've got money about as loose as it can get, and we may find out that doesn't work either. That uh, uh, you, you have to you have to let the economy solve its own problems, you know, with that. So one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about, and I thought might be interesting to our listeners in particular, uh, I got a note from a friend of mine who is uh, uh, the chairman of uh, ISM uh, Japan. And I thought there were some interesting things because he really talks about What's Japan's strategy toward China going forward? Because we hear so much about uh, the the Chinese have really made a mistake uh, with the handling of this virus issue. Uh, A lot of countries are saying, you know, we're not sure we want to do business with them anymore. So uh, I thought it might be uh, uh, of interest uh, to, to talk a little bit about that. And stop me at any point. Um, Go for the, it. The first, the first thing that I picked up on is uh, Japanese policy has been to uh, keep business with China. There's a great trading relationship between China and Japan, and uh, the Japanese have been. Uh, criticized, frankly, by the U.S. and other countries for staying as close to China as they have. But they have, China was a good customer, and so they wanted to hang on to that relationship. Well, the government has now said that their official policy will be to move business away from Japan. Uh, so we'll have to see how that happens. Uh, they also noted that it's easier within the provinces in uh, China. They're having all kinds of problems with logistics, trying to move materials across through the provinces, get it approved, uh, you know, controlled the way they see the, feel the sense of need for controlling right now. And so, they're really looking uh, to um, uh, see that ease up and, and so on, so they get better delivery situations. The uh, the alternative for China or for Japan is one to bring it back, uh, or two, their their preferred source is Vietnam, and for whatever reason, uh, they've been more willing to invest in Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam's been a very willing trading partner with them. And so uh, if you were to to look at alternatives from a Japanese perspective, Vietnam would be where you'd want to go. A lot of buyers are saying they have no alternative. Uh, And at Strategus, we call it the TINA principle. There is no alternative. And uh, that is the case in, in, in many instances. Now, I'm disappointed because I did a lot of work after the Fukushima meltdown of the nuclear power plant, the tsunami, et cetera. I did a lot of work on risk management. How, how do you mitigate the risk associated with it? And did a lot of exploration uh, did a number of speaking engagements 
promoting the idea that uh, uh, we had to be smarter than we were. And, you know, one of the uh, one of the solutions when you have a potential great risk in the supply chain is duplication. Uh, but we also know that when you get into industries like yours and others, uh, uh, metals in particular, though, where you have uh, molds that you have to purchase, uh, those can be very expensive to begin with. And so having a backup set of molds, uh, uh, it, it really takes some financial justification in order to be able to do that. But nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, you got to protect your supply chain. Some of the uh, uh, companies like uh, Intel, Honda, those people, uh, they began to, to look at their supply chain differently in terms of risk and looking at where the biggest risk is. And they may not need to back up every set of molds they have for every instance, but there may be certain key ones that they could either have half-finished molds or something that would give them a head start on uh, replacing those um, uh, production coming off of those molds. Uh, hey, they can get some I, nice rough machined molds made by All Metals and Forge Group. Just park them over in a corner and save them for finished machining when they need them. Thank you, Tim, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because that was a commercial. Uh, I, well, and, and you, you guys remember what we saw back when after '96, when a lot of things started moving to China. Uh, what we saw was the uh, the Chinese could quote business, and and they were selling molds for one tenth of the cost that uh, American mold manufacturers were, were, were looking at. And the way they do it is they were just writing off the molds themselves just uh, 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 right, right away as opposed to having to expense them over time or whatever. And so they, they were taking advantage of the market. It was hard to compete with that for anybody when uh, uh, you're me measuring production cost versus mold cost in, in doing that. So uh, hopefully we'll see some changes there going forward. Uh, the interesting thing is that prices are rising in uh, China. Yesterday I, I talked with a former associate uh, who uh, is in supply chain position with a, a very prominent national company and he said they they right now have a, an RFP out for 43 million masks to try to supply their supply chain for that. Wow, uh, quite a number. Well, it, it struck me that you know it's still coming from China. We're, yeah. we're not because they're the only ones that can produce that. You know. I always think the uh, uh, first time I heard of Foxconn, and Foxconn is the Apple's manufacturing wing. The first time I right. heard of Fox, heard of Foxconn, I noticed them because 
they had hired a thousand industrial engineers in a week. And uh, as you know, and I know, that's totally absurd. It's crazy. <laughs> but they they could do it. And so that mobilization to, to now, uh, I would look at it and say, okay, yeah, I see you. You got a thousand warm bodies show up, but how organized did you really manage to get all those people? It might have made a good discussion or made a good point to brag about to try to impress uh, potential customers, but a thousand engineers, how productive can they be a, a week from now when they start work? And I still have uh, questions right. that I, I I just don't think that's a, that's a doable that much. Um, well, they did build, okay. they did build a hospital in two weeks. So. Uh, well, but the Corps of Engineers did some pretty good stuff. Of course, yes, I, they did. I, yes, I they think did. Uh, building in a shell is a whole different. Or uh, you know, they knew they knew they had the potential to be able to do that. That that uh, whole thing was uh, was was orchestrated very very well. Uh, so uh, you and you had uh, Franklin Graham's organization, Samaritan's Purse, coming in and setting up in Central Park. Uh, so some people really pulled the rabbit out of the hat, in my opinion, during that period. Uh, they did a survey on uh, supply constraints and problems. You know, much of what I'm reading in the media and so on says, you know, Japan's going back, I mean, China's going back to work. Uh, what I'm reading here and in some other places is they're struggling to get back to work, that 90% of their capacity is still under un, unutilized or underutilized. And, uh, they had the the coronavirus impact on production, distribution, and procurement. 69% of the respondents answered that they had major problems. 19% said the problems were under investigation, and 12% said no problems. So uh, 88% of the Japanese companies will be obstructed in production and logistics. Therefore, the turmoil in the Chinese economy due to the new virus will have a negative impact on Japanese industry. Uh, let me see. What are you expecting to see when you calculate your PMIs for the period between well, the next report that comes out? What's it right. likely to look like? Well, uh, We've got a we've got a preview of that in a couple of different ways. If we look at China, for instance, the two reports last month, the CFLP report and the Kaishin report. CFLP was at 52 last month, but that's up from 35.7. Then the Kaishin was 50.1, and it was up from 40.3. So you had very significant movement back toward the mean. In yeah, I'm more concerned about hours. 
Okay. Is he gonna, is he yeah. gonna expect we're we're, we're getting we're getting there. I'm trying to do this without depressing you guys. I promised I wouldn't be depressing. <laughs> uh, and it's getting harder. So uh, now, Tim, uh, we had the uh, Philly uh, Federal Reserve uh, Index come out uh, yesterday, and we had the Empire State, the Philly came in at 30.2. Obviously, that's a huge drop from where we were at 48.1 and 49.6. Actually, no, I gave you the wrong number. I apologize. Uh, From U.S. manufacturing, uh, we would be looking at a 49.1 last month. I, I looked probably somewhere between uh, 10 and 20 points off of that number. Probably closer to 20. Is that the number that they claimed was as low as the the next lowest record, which was in 1946? Yeah. Yeah. That was was U.S. Yeah. But uh, we know that's going to happen. Uh, it's no, no no shocker there. Things start ground to a halt. But my, my encouraging side is going to be, I think that uh, ISM numbers this month will be really ugly. But I think they will bounce back in the following month because that's what all of the other surveys are doing. If they fell off, and so when we look at the Fed surveys this month and you see 30.2 and 31.2, those num- numbers should recover toward the mean and get back in the 45-plus range next month. So uh, because there's, there's basically, you know, we, we don't have a, a, a manufacturing problem. We've got a, a medical problem. That's caused us to stop right. manufacturing. So, uh, given what they've done recently to yesterday and today, uh, I, I think we'll see a bounce back from that. Now, that's, the good news is we can get to a slower rate of decline from a fast rate of decline. Uh, that, that's a phase you pretty much have to go through, and it'll depend on uh, how people react to it. Uh, you know, uh, you could ask yourself having General Motors stop what they were doing and and, and uh, create uh, a product might not have been the best thing to do because uh, those respirators or that type of thing, uh, that's not uh, high value, intricate manufacturing. So we may have shut down some good companies that uh, are high value added that are uh, more important to the economy while we're doing that. Now, those are all, you know, uh, I, I want to, uh, I don't want to be guilty of uh, 2020 hindsight. Uh, but at the time that we were thinking, I, 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 it concerned me that we were trying to take production and, and move it into GM and Ford and so on uh, when there probably were other people that could have done that 
we could have, we, we could have, uh, we could have gotten that done, but it, it is as it is. And I think we'll, we'll see that, uh, uh, the numbers, the PMIs, we're, we're going to see a bad number this month, and then we'll see a return toward the mean. I think that that uh, GM contract for the uh, uh, the ventilators uh, was a four hundred eighty nine million dollar contract, uh, and to your point, it may have well been uh, better had they spent spread the four hundred eighty nine million dollars around to much smaller businesses um, and uh, save more jobs. Um, than uh, giving it all to General Motors. You have you have to wonder. Uh, uh, the, the ventilators, uh, I understand they're somewhat sophisticated, but, uh, you know, if, if you've got the design, you know what you want. Uh, you're in the assembly business, not in the, uh, the manufacturing business. Right, and uh, we could we could have done some of that. So, and, and like I said, I, I I hate to get into the second guessing because uh, people didn't know what they were up against. In most cases, they were just trying to get something done uh, to to help the healthcare workers from that. Right. So, okay, let's take a little trip around. Uh, in can- in uh, uh, CFLP in China, we did see that come back from 35.7 to 52 in one month. Lies. And so uh, that that's uh, you know the only thing that makes that believable is that the Kai Shen survey, the other China survey, went from 40.3 to 50.1. So okay. both of them had a uh, – th- that's more than a 20% month-over-month improvement in both instances. We also see that Taiwan, which uh, I, I consider to be a major trading partner, particularly for uh, China and, and Japan for that matter, Taiwan, their index stayed at 53.1%. Uh, up from 52.7, up from 51.3. So that actually looked a, a, a much better coming out of Taiwan than what we saw for the for the rest of Asia. Uh, Singapore, uh, month, month, prior month dropped to 27.7, and then came in the next month. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, was it four? 45.8 and dropped to 27.7. Now we should see that return closer to the mean also. But, so but you're, as you're you can see. So Norbert, you're suggesting that this uh, uh, bl- negative blip that we're seeing not only here in the U.S. but around the world is uh, a, a temporary short-term uh, downward dive uh, and, and I agree with you about the manufacturing. It's it's, it's uh, more of an economic issue and a health issue than it is a manufacturing issue. So you're you're of the belief that a month or two things should start coming back to life, so to speak. Uh, let, let me put it uh, yes. The answer is yes to your question. Let let me put it this way. After uh, uh, 
2008-2009, during that time period, many manufacturers saw their business fall 25-35% almost overnight. Revenue fell off, et cetera. They had all kinds of problems associated with it from that. So if you do think in terms of an index, that would be a large index drop when that happened. But now that becomes the new base, and so that goes back to 50, unless we're seeing more drops. But this type of thing, people just shut down the operations uh, very, very quickly. And so I think we'll see that strengthen a little bit. Then the question is, okay, getting back to 50 is pretty easy. How do we get above 50? How do we start to create value? How do we start to bring in product lines up? How do we start to get full plants back in line? Particularly at a time when the auto industry is just soft as anything. And no, so we, we don't just, have... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Norbert, but I'm just wondering, what did back orders look like before COVID-19 hit, because obviously when they turn the manufacturing lights back on, they're going to have to fill those back orders unless they right. suffer a lot of cancellations. Were back orders particularly high and strong before this hit? Uh, if you'll keep talking for just a minute, Tim. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, I'll give you a chance. I'm, I'm really sorry I threw that I'm, one at you out of the blue. I'm but, pulling uh, <laughs> that file up, okay? Okay, it's yeah. Here. I, Okay, okay, we look at the manufacturing back orders uh, starting the end or starting at the end of last year. November was 43, December was 43.3, uh, January 45.7. Finally, it was making some headway, headway in February at 50.3, and then March at 45.9. So. Uh, backlogs are pretty much, uh, you know, it's indicative of an economy that uh, supply and demand balance is pretty good. That you don't have long backlogs, uh, you don't have long lead times, uh, because supplier deliveries during that same period of time was uh, in January is at 52.9, and uh, February is 57.3. Then March was 65, and you think, wow, that's great. And we're seeing deliveries really slow. Uh, well, if they had because of demand, that would have been great. But it wasn't because of demand. It was because there wasn't any any uh, work out there, and the orders just fell off completely. Well, um, I guess it's going to certainly take a while for uh, the ramp up to 50 and above. And by a while, I mean several months, not several years. But it's not right. going to happen in May. Well, I would you know, take uh, 50 right now. I would take 50 right now. I remember going back <laughs> a few years ago that 60, 62, boy, we were popping champagne bottles on a daily basis. Uh, I would do 60. that now for 50. Yeah, we had, it was a period after the election that we had 16 months over 60. Right, and that was uh, that, that was amazing. Uh, so, uh, I, I think we're, we're uh, we, we talked a little bit about Asia, Singapore, 
Taiwan, et cetera. Talk about Europe for just a minute. Uh, Eurozone came in at 44.5, which is uh, pretty good, basically, considering that that may be their their worst month. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, they just don't uh, – they still had – uh, the Netherlands was at 50. Everybody else was below 50 in uh, the Eurozone uh, index. Uh, the lowest was Italy at 40.3, not surprising given the effect of the virus on them. Uh, and Germany uh, made it uh, above 45 for three months in a row. Uh, and they came in at 45.4. So uh, looking better. Uh, uh, hopefully next month, uh, maybe if this, if this is their low, they still could hit it. Uh, I think they're behind us uh, in many ways. So uh, it may take another month to clear to do that. But uh, Lou, you're right. 50 at least re- uh, represents stability. So that you right. know that uh, you, you're going to have some business, and uh, uh, it's not it's not guesswork. Uh, it's doing that. Uh, I, I'm amazed at uh, how much discussion there's been around uh, all these models that different scientists have created to figure out what this virus is going to do. And I, I can remember having discussions with the Fed. Uh, with regard to inventories, and they'd say, "Well, uh, what? What? Uh, uh, why are, are inventories so high? How did the manufacturers let inventories get that high?" And I said, "You know, we are really great at managing inventories, at understanding where they go, at what they do. The problem is we're no better at forecasting than we've ever been." And I think the same thing, same thing applies to those models that we're looking oh, at. Is, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a model is like a cost accounting system. It'll do just about <laughs> anything you want it to do. That's, that's exactly right. And, and the old saying is that figures lie and liars figure. So there you go. And the rest of them are economists. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm not sure you'll get agreement on that. <laughs> well, Norbert, it's not all doom and gloom. We certainly look forward to having you on next month uh, to, you know, see what reality is going to become our new reality, Lou. Yeah, I uh, I always ask the question because I I have. Uh, 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 interest in uh, South America and uh, uh, Brazil actually uh, which is always the laggard laggard of all countries around the world they're not looking so bad at 48 uh, the ISM number that's correct I would agree with that 48.4 but it's down from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 months at six at 50 above 50 so it's been hurt a little country. bit, but not. Well, that's a lot of success for Brazil. To, to get yeah, that's right. Of course, 50 in a row. 
they're gambling on COVID-19 because they haven't, I don't think, taken quite the steps the rest of the world has in isolation. So we'll see how that plays out for them. Right. And there's no doubt. I mean, they could, the media can argue about when did when did he know it and what did he know, uh, which is a, a fruitless uh, argument, points for an argument anyway, to do that. The reality is this particular virus has some really bad traits in terms of what it can do to, to people that have lung problems, heart problems. And, and they're finding more, and now they're saying kidney problems. Uh, so uh, I'm sure we, we don't want to uh, get get uh, into any of the problem, additional problems that they have with uh, with the virus. But but it is a real bad actor. Uh, and yeah, no doubt. Thing that we got that we got to start on it. Yes, and and I don't see, and I still continue to watch the Johns Hopkins tally board, ugly as it is, to see if we're making a turn from the in the bell curve, headed down the other side. And so far, according to them, we're not headed down the other side of the bell curve in the U.S. So we'll, we'll, that's certainly going to keep things dicey for manufacturing and non-manufacturing and. Getting back to work, Lou, I don't know how you can just say to everybody, okay, go back to work, uh, be cautious, be careful, and this animal is still out there with teeth. One of the things that concerns me to a great extent, aside from the dilemma that we are presently living through, is that what we're beginning to hear now is the next wave in October, November, they're talking that we haven't even gone through this yet. And they're talking about the next wave. Uh, if, if that happens in October, November, and it is serious, it's going to go right straight through to the first, second quarter of next year. Um, so I'm, I'm suggesting everybody go out and buy a year's worth of masks. Yeah, right. Well, that may be that order you referred to, Norbert, at the top of the show of however right. many millions of masks. Right. Uh, Lou, you know, uh, we, we all know we, we have to worry most about the things we can control and the things that we can't control. Uh, we, we need to let them go to, um, to somebody else. Uh If if we have another wave, uh, I I get the impression, and I've spent a lot of time watching the TV and listening to what they have to say, I get the impression the second wave may not be as strong, uh, that uh, these viruses tend to to run out of some energy. And so if there is a second wave, it could be much milder. The the other one is I I think a lot of areas in – here in Atlanta where Tim and I are, uh, things haven't shut down completely. Now, some major employers have, but uh, most of the retail businesses, many of them have already opened back up. They put masks on. They're doing uh, uh, the social distancing. Uh, Everybody's going about their business and uh, getting uh, 
getting uh, some sales back up. A little Italian restaurant that I really like not far from me has a big sign out front that says, uh, beer, wine, and food, take out. Uh, they, they understand what it took for the, them to stay in business, and so they've done that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we'll just have to wait it out, and Norbert will uh, look forward to chatting with you again next month and seeing where things are at then and if the numbers are headed back north. And Lou, you'll have some indication of where business is at. Interestingly enough, All Metals and Forge Group has been a bellwether business for as long as you've been in business, Lou. Yeah, no, it's true. And uh, we are actually uh, seeing improvement uh, this month, April. And um, it'll probably be something like a 50, uh, to use a number. Um, right. it, has improved, it has improved significantly. So, like I said earlier, I'll take 50. Yeah. Okay. Well, as much as we can fudge the numbers, Lou, I'll help you with the 50. Okay, you do that. Okay. Very good. Thanks for being on with us, Norbert. We appreciate it. Sure enough. Thanks, guys. Take care. You stay stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy your solitude. I will do it. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. You bet. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is the Director of Industry Surveys for Strategist Research Partners. Always provides us with excellent information on what's happening around the world in terms of global events in the economy, and the supply chain, and in manufacturing. So, Lou, that uh, wasn't as awful as we thought it might be, and we're now looking for the silver line. I think he was being kind. (laughs) Norbert's a kind person. I'm now going to make my eight-ounce Manhattan. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And for the rest of you... By by the way, before before you part off, there is one industry... One industry that is booming, and that's the alcohol industry. They yeah, are, they don't they, run short of alcohol. <laughs> well, they, um, uh, we have a, a bottle king. There's 10 bottle kings in the state of New Jersey. They closed nine. Uh, the 10th one, uh, fortunately, is where I live in uh, Ramsey, New Jersey. And they they come up with this uh, call in and pick up. So now they have the police outside guiding traffic into the Bottle King parking lot to go make their pickup. Right. <laughs> so oh wrong. wow! All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We'll be back soon. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.